Aloha, listeners. Say it back to me. Aloha. Very good. Hope you're enjoying that ground-roasted pig. I got the apple in its mouth at a farmer's market. Try the poi. It's homemade. Hey, what do you get when you mix the laid-back Hawaiian vibe with fashion? I'll tell you. A political revolution and the reason you can wear board shorts to the office on Fridays. Lay back, close your eyes, and imagine the waves of Honolulu crashing against your feet as you listen to the story of the Aloha shirt on this week's This Was a Thing. This was a thing. This was a thing. This was a thing, don't you remember? Jackie Robinson swing, going my way with Bing, and the friendly spring of a slinky toy. Or color TV screens, jukebox machines, tiny Hummel figurines, this was a thing. This was a thing. Look out, because this was a thing. Aloha, I'm Ray. And aloha, I am Rob. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we are looking at the Hawaiian shirt, which is actually not the correct name for it. The correct name is a Aloha shirt. And uh, this was a thing because it has to be the only garment I can think of that depending on which generation was wearing it, it made distinct statements about the mentality of the person wearing it. So if you're wearing it in the 1930s, you're saying it's a sign of luxury during the Great Depression. In the 1940s, it's a souvenir of survival. In the 1960s, it was a rebellion to conformity. And in the 1970s, it's the springboard to a workplace movement. 80s means it's Magnum P.I. In the 90s, it meant you were a dad and your Palm Pilot probably cost as much as your house. And now in the 2010s, it has turned into a code for hate. We are going to focus on its pre-hate day's origins. And the Aloha shirt sort of has had a bad rap over the past 40 or so years. And we think that we make fun of the Aloha shirt today it was actually being made fun of a little bit earlier for uh, associating the Hawaiian shirt with a very specific demographic, a demographic that I'm pretty proud to be a part of. And uh, here's Homer Simpson talking about mm. the Hawaiian shirt. Homie, I can hear you chewing on your pillow. What's wrong? Marge, the boy was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. So? There's only two kinds of guys who wear those shirts. Gay guys and big fat party animals. And Bart doesn't look like a big fat party animal to me. So if you wore a Hawaiian shirt, it wouldn't be gay. Right. Thank you. Okay, so obviously Homer's implying something. So where did the Hawaiian shirt or the Aloha shirt come from? There is this idea that we're going to debunk. The idea was that when Christian missionaries went over to the Hawaiian islands, that they saw all of the people that were indigenous people living there. They saw them wearing very little clothing, if not any clothing at all, and were offended and said, you have to start wearing garments. And the Hawaiian shirt manifested itself out of that. 
so it's always sort of been that the Hawaiian shirt has come out of a white man coming over to colonize and make things better. And that's not necessarily the case. So here's actually what we think or where we think the Hawaiian shirt has emanated from. And there's a fantastic book by a woman named Linda Arthur. And her book is called Aloha Attire, Hawaiian Dress in the 20th century. There's not a lot of scholarship on this, and Linda Arthur decided to fix that for us. So many of the indigenous people to the islands wore very little clothing. They wore things called kappas, uh, K-A-P-A, and this was bark cloth made of fibers from the paper mulberry tree. It takes an incredible amount of time to make this bark cloth. One designer spent eight hours creating one three-by-five-inch piece of this material. Hold on. Eight hours, one three-by-five-inch five piece. I think, actually, it was Linda Arthur who did that. I think Show Linda off. did that. <laughs> Linda, come on. We get it, Linda. So now we're going to separate the genders here for this next next part of it because that's historically what was happening. So the men would wear what was known as a loincloth, and the women would wear a tiny skirt made out of this fabric. And when Captain Cook shows up, not Captain Crunch, when Captain Cook. Captain Cook. Captain Cook shows up. C.C. Cook shows up in, in 1798. The men in the crew, they're wearing like those loose like square cut frock shirts with the, like think think of the Seinfeld in the puffy shirt. They're very comfortable for sea sea adventures. Okay, so but this is the first time the indigenous people are seeing those shirts. Oh wow. And they're like, "Oh, I kind of like that." And so they decide to barter for the shirts. Then as time went on, that puffy piratey shirt sort of changed and the silhouette of the shirt now looks like a man's dress shirt today, right? So it's a square cut shirt, right? And there's buttons down the front. I, I I think I say buttons wrong. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. I've I've always noticed <laughs> I've said buttons. What is it? It's buttons. Buttons. Button. You, like you almost say it like two D's. Buttons. Oh oh, uh, buttons. Buttons. Did I do it right? Yeah. I mean, l- yes. I I'd give you a good <laughs> mark, but I would expect to keep hearing it. I'm curious. Is an episode about a shirt? Is the word buttons in it a lot? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should not have tackled this particular topic. Now, continuing on with the buttons discussion, the fabric, though, that they're using for some of these shirts, most of it is being imported, actually, from Germany. And the the, the fabric is very heavy, which isn't really good when you're out in the sugarcane fields. So they decide to cut the sleeves off at the elbow. So that's why we got short sleeve shirts. Hey. Show off your elbows. And I love showing my elbows off. Okay, so now, folks, we're going to jump a little bit. We're going to jump into the early 20th century, the 1910s. So you have to remember in the 1910s, World War I is happening, and it is a sad, depressing time. So Americans needed this idea of, like, how do we relax? How do we imagine that we're someplace else, considering we're sending our children off to go and die? So they sort of have this fantasy, and the fantasy for them of a place that's not at all like the mainland are the tropical islands. And in the mid-1910s, America is obsessed with Hawaii. There's a Hawaiian craze. Now we're going to jump into the 1920s. This is where we start to now see the Aloha shirt starting to manifest itself. So in the 1920s, there's this group of guys in a private schools. So there were a lot of private schools across the islands. And these guys decided that they wanted to have matching shirts just for fun. 
like when you go to Aunt Linda's 50th birthday party and mom has bought like everyone the t-shirts. Oh, I've been in a group in a Disney, like a, at a Disney park that's like, oh yeah. So these college guys, they decide to go to Chinese tailors and they who did most of the clothing production on the islands in the 20s and 30s. And the, the guy was like, well, what kind of, you know, fabric do you want? And they picked this brightly printed Japanese crepe, which had really been over there just because they were making them in for like little girls' kimonos. But the guys were like, no, 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 that's what they want. So he was like, great, I'm going to make you all matching shirts with the kimono material. Now, the shirt had to be worn outside the pants and not tucked in. This is a totally radical idea at the time because you have to think of like what people were wearing at that time, right? It would be like, I'm wearing my long johns. Yeah. Then my shirt, then my vest, then my tie. short sleeve shirt, you had to roll up your sleeves. Absolutely, absolutely. The idea of like, hey, I'm a guy and I'm not going to tuck my shirt in was pretty revolutionary. Now, this tradition comes from the Philippines because there were many Filipino citizens who were living on the islands at this time. And they wore a traditional man's garment called the barong tagalog. I hope I said that right. The barong tagalog. If I said it incorrectly, somebody go out there, please correct me. Those barong tagalogs are also worn outside the pants. So what's really cool is now on this Aloha shirt, you have five different cultures that are involved, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. The fact that like all these different sort of individuals came together with their different mentalities to create this shirt. You have a Western body, right? Then you have a Japanese fabric. Then you have Chinese tailors. Mm -hmm. Then you have this Filipino style and it's being made in Hawaii. So you have like a hodgepodge of ideas going back and forth. It's a melting pot of a clothing item. It's a melting pot of a clothing item. So when 1924 rolls around, rayon, the wonderful fabric rayon. Meon. (laughs) That's it, the meon, was introduced by DuPont. And what's cool about rayon? It's movable. And it holds colors longer. Oh. Oh, because, you know, if you start to wash brightly colored things over time, it starts to fade away. And Rayon is like, no, 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 I'll be with you forever and ever. So in the 1920s, this is also the beginning of the time of Hawaiian tourism. And everyone from America wanted to bring something home that was exotic, right? Mm -hmm. And so the shirts are kind of the right idea for that. And nothing like it was in fashion in the 1920s. It is funny to imagine just all these drab colors where it's like maroon is the brightest thing you'd ever see. And then it's like... Like, all of a sudden, you're like, whoa. Did you see Edgar yesterday? He was wearing chocolate brown. My God, I'll get my sunglasses. My <laughs> eyes are blinded. Now, let's buy a lot of stocks because I think they're going to go up, up, up. 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 <laughs> I'm the next Carnegie. So now this, the clothing shops on the Hawaiian Islands start to realize, oh, you can make some money off of these Aloha shirts and you can sell them off to tourists. So they start to amp up like even more iconic Hawaiian imagery just to really advertise that you've been to Hawaii. It's almost like buying a New York shirt and like right on the center is the Statue of Liberty, right? They start to use images of palm trees and beaches and volcanoes uh, (laughs) and very colorful dye. So that way everybody knows you just went to Hawaii. Now the locals did not like the brightness of these oh, shirts because sure. they were like, this is tacky. This is gaudy and this is tacky. They preferred what were known as uh, tapa designs, T-A-P-A. And those are like geometric patterns that are muted. 
And they gravitated towards that because they saw the tourists buying all the bright, colorful, garish ones. <laughs> now, where like the actual like selling of these shirts in, on a mass quantity, where that comes from, has been debated over time. And there's a wonderful author. His name is Dale Hope. He wrote this fantastic book that I read called The Aloha Shirt, Spirit of the Islands. So I'm going to turn it over to Dale, and Dale's going to explain to you how did mass production of these shirts occur. In the very beginning, the, the first shirts were all made out of Japanese kimono fabric. And they were all Japanese-inspired prints with Mount Fuji, with people coming down the rivers in bamboo boats. And then the people in Hawaii said, well, instead of Mount Fuji, let's do our own prints and we'll put in Diamond Head. We'll put in our flowers. We'll put in our ocean scenes with guys in canoes and sailboats, coconut trees and rainbows and all these wonderful things that we have here. So it was a slow evolution, but that's how it started. So the agents that represented the textile companies in Japan would send them pictures from magazines and they'd get these pictures back in Japan and that's how they would interpret what this Hawaii business was all about. And they'd be painting surfers that they really didn't understand but they saw pictures of them wearing the little woolen bathing suits and they'd incorporate that, the canoe rides. They'd put all these different things into these new adapted shirts from what they used to do with the Japanese prints. Big thanks there, Dale. And once again, you should buy, if you're interested in this topic, the, sh the book is really, really fascinating. All right. So we have two competing ideas of who actually created this shirt for us. How the shirt actually started to reach the mainland is also a really interesting story and why they started going calling it from the Hawaiian shirt to the Aloha shirt. So the Aloha shirt was given to the name to these shirts in the 1930s. And by the mid-1930s, Aloha was being placed on like so many Hawaiian products. Aloha means hello. It means goodbye. It can really mean whatever you want it to mean. Aloha. The term Aloha shirt first appeared in a print advertisement in 1935 issue of the Honolulu Advertiser newspaper. Oh, they're great. What do you think they actually advertised in the Honolulu Advertiser? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there was a personal section, how to get laid. I already used that joke, but it's get still Get the hell good. out. Okay, okay, okay. So... At the beginning of the 1930s, there's only like two notable manufacturers at this time, but by the end of the 30s, there's at least 450 manufacturers. And you have to also remember in the 1930s, because of the Depression, there's just this sadness going on throughout the United States. And people in the 1930s would look at like movie magazines and they would see celebrities and rich people who could afford to go to Hawaii coming back wearing the Hawaiian shirts. So while the trip was really expensive to get yourself to Hawaii, the shirt was not. So you could wear the Hawaiian shirt and still feel like you were part of the rich individuals. It's like when people get a pair of like Yeezys, the Kanye shoes nowadays, yes. where they don't spend a lot of money on other clothing, but they have this one, one thing that cost a lot of money and that identifies them in a certain demographic. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure this has been going on throughout the history of fashion, but in the 1930s, it's really the Hawaiian shirt, which is making people feel yeah. like, you know, hey, I'm still somebody. Yeah. Because people would see you wearing it and assume, oh, wow, you, yeah, you must have you've money. You've been to Hawaii. You've been to the islands. You've been to the islands. No wonder your son kissed. No wonder your son kissed. Nope, that's malaria. Okay. 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 I'm so sorry. You must have seen a mosquito in the islands. By 1940, so now we're at the end of the 30s, by 1940, Hawaiian shirts brought in guess how much money i want to ask you in today's currency how much money do you think hawaiian shirts were bringing in uh 
with inflation, I'd say 10 mil. Oh my God, you're so close. They brought in $11 million. That, that would have been the next guess. You're, you're really good. Then when men got stationed in world, for World War II, they would pass through Hawaii and they would pick up these Hawaiian shirts, right, as souvenirs. They could bring them back to people. And you have to remember, so many of these GIs, they had been deprived of color. Right? You're on steel bat gray steel battleships. You're wearing greens and blues, and there's no color. So now here's like this really interesting conundrum. When Pearl Harbor happens, Japanese stuff falls out of favor. And if even if it looks like it came from Japan, no one's buying it. So these Hawaiian shirts just really fall out of fashion. But it, it starts to pick up slowly after World War II again because people just really like the colors. And the shirts and Japan had surrendered. Now, I want to introduce you to a man. He's not here with us today, but I'd like to introduce his name to you. His name is Alfred Shaheen. And he's going to, what I'm, he, to me, he's the daddy of the shirt because <laughs> he's going to bring the Aloha shirt into a whole new generation. So the original Aloha shirts were also called hash prints. You know, hash, like where you take food and you like different types of food, you combine them all together, right? Oh, yeah, the food one. Yeah, the food one. Not what, not hashtag, not hash not the drug. Hashish. Okay. No, 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 no. Come on, this is a good show. We don't do that. I don't know, that Alfred Shaheen sounds like a party guy. Al Shaheen says, he was like, listen, all these shirts are just like a hodgepodge of images, and they're kind of not even all that authentic. So he's like, it's a design, but it's not really art. And Alfred Shaheen was like, I want to make clothing that is art. Alfred Shaheen, the Utica of his day, if you're a, <laughs> if you're a RuPaul Drag Race fan. So Shaheen, I have to applaud him for this. So he hires a bunch of artists. He puts them on salary. I'm applauding him for that in the beginning because he's actually paying artists. That's a, a big thing. Yeah, that's huge. And he takes these designers that he hires to like various locations throughout Asia and the Pacific. And he's like, I want you to just be inspired by the nature surrounding you and then whatever you're inspired by i want that to be on the shirts so for example one time he chartered a plane to tahiti and he left all the artists there for a week and he said just absorb the design elements so a lot of the shaheen designs they show like a multi-ethnic influence now you ready for this now these shirts even though they were like mass produced a lot of people just got rid of them over time guess how much an original al shaheen goes for at an auction it's definitely over six figures i want to say it's getting close to seven i i would bet it's at least a million dollars okay so ten thousand dollars okay so i would say it was close to six <laughs> figures <laughs> it was close. when i got to seven so then shaheen in like a, a, a brilliant stroke of ingenuity is realizing fabric coming from japan is like at a much slower rate so he builds his own factory a printing plant in honolulu which employs so many of the locals so he's given a lot of work to people this guy and he comes up with new processing and one of the things he comes up with which is really cool is he finds new processes for making like textile dyes and he can start to like take a hawaiian like a flower on a hawaiian shirt and around the edge of the flower and the edge of like other motifs, he puts a dye that makes it like pop a little bit so it stands out. The most famous example of this is if you ever look at Elvis Presley's album Blue Hawaii, the shirt he's wearing is a Shaheen. Oh. The other cool thing about Shaheen that I wanted to mention is he wants to make sure that the shirts and the designs actually represent Hawaiian culture. So for him, it really wasn't about making a buck, which he, I'm sure, was happy that he was making money. But for him, that was not it. For him, it was about spreading the word about 
all the cool things that were happening in Hawaii because he thought Hawaii was a place like a Shangri-La where all these different cultures and ethnicities could all get together and live in peace and harmony under beautiful scenery. And he wanted the shirts to really, really reflect that. And Shaheen was actually Lebanese. And so his own culture sort of blended into the designs okay. as well. So every time you like you look at a Hawaiian shirt, it's not just simply from Hawaii. It's got so many different groups and mentalities of people coming in. Now, in the 1950s, we have what's known as like the Hawaii craze, the tiki craze. And the 50s really helped boost the Hawaiian shirt, mostly because Montgomery Ward, which was like a huge catalog because there was no online shopping. What? Do you remember like... When your parents would get the catalogs, the Christmas J.C. Penny catalog was that was porn to your parents. It was what well, to me. Uh, the, <laughs> there was like six pages of toys, and I'm a big fan of collectibles. Honey, honey, honey! Look, 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 look! For ten thousand dollars, we can get one of those globes that opens up, and there's a bar inside. <laughs> Hey friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay. Head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money, and in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Now, here we go. This this is what I, I find so fascinating. There is this queen. His name is Lawrence Langer. <laughs> queen Lawrence Langer. Langer. Lawrence Langer writes a book, and the book is called The Importance of Wearing Clothes. And he says, there is a laxity creeping in to the male attire. So now this queen doesn't like bright colored beach robes. He doesn't like Bermuda shorts. He doesn't like Hawaiian shorts. And he was really upset that rich people were wearing these clothes. And he said, these should be for poor people only. <laughs> so there you go, folks. That's Lawrence Langer. And Lawrence Langer also says poor people wear them. And these shirts are now being worn by factory workers without the restraining influence of middle-class taste. <laughs> so fucking Queen Lawrence has to come. Why are you rich people wearing the poor people's clothing? What do you think Lawrence Langer dressed like? Oh, I picture like Mr. Peanut. Oh, totally. Like a top hat, a monocle, and a cane. And no pants. And no <laughs> pants. No pants. So Alfred Shaheen is like, okay, so we have Hawaiian shirts, and you're saying that they're not like quote unquote classy. He's like, great, I'm going to upgrade your Hawaiian shirt then. And shut the fuck up, Lawrence Langer. Uh, he's going to give you chicer designs, a better quality. 
And then, like I said, when Elvis wore it on the cover of the Blue Hawaii album, that's Elvis was the most popular guy ever at this time. And so everyone then started to buy Hawaiian shirts again because Elvis was wearing them, right? Everyone's like, oh, Elvis wears them because he's obsessed with Hawaii. He loves Hawaii. Partly true. Here's the other reason why Elvis <laughs> liked wearing them. He liked the fact that he didn't have to tuck the shirt in and it could kind of hide his love handles. Oh, that makes sense. And pretty big the president would wear it so harry truman wore one on the cover of life magazine and the article that he was wearing and it was entitled the evolution of a wardrobe so it shows how like even the president can wear these relaxed comfortable clothing so now folks we're going to go to the 1960s and in 1962 folks we're going to have what's known as aloha week so in 1962 a professional manufacturing association known as the hawaiian fashion guild they began to promote aloha shirts and clothing for use in the workplace particularly as business attire aloha nine to five. Oh, that would be a great title for them god we gotta get you a time machine so in this campaign that they called Operation Liberation. <laughs> this fashion guild distributes two Aloha shirts to every member of the Hawaii House of Representatives and the Hawaii Senate. And then subsequently, because bribery always works, folks, the Senate passes a re resolution recommending that Aloha attire be worn throughout the summer, beginning on Lay Day. And the wording of the resolution spoke of letting the male populace return to Aloha attire during the summer months for the sake of comfort and in support of the 50th state's garment industry. Women, keep doing what you're doing. Women, enjoy your wool. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy looking at these men. And now, folks, here's where we really want to thank our Aloha shirt because in 1965, Bill Foster Sr., who was the president of the Hawaii Fashion Guild, decided to lead the organization in a campaign now lobbying for something called Aloha Friday. This would be a day employers would allow men to wear Aloha shirts on the last business day of the week a few months out of the year. So not during the summer months, because in the summer months, they're wearing their Hawaiian shirts. So it's like the original Casual Friday. It is not like the original Casual Friday. It is the original Casual Friday, oh. because this idea eventually goes to the mainland, and by the 1990s, we have Casual Friday. So Casual Friday comes from the Aloha shirt. Wow. Aloha. Yeah. And now, while we say TGIF, which means... Thank God it's Friday, or thank goodness it's Friday. Over there, they say, it's Aloha Friday, no work till Monday. Ooh. Now, you might go, yeah, that's a little bit longer than TGIF, but do you have a song that goes along with it? Because they do. They do, and every Friday... This song plays on all the radios, and it's called Aloha Friday, No Work Till Monday. It's Aloha Friday, no work till Monday. It's Aloha Friday, no work till Monday. So if H&R Block can have that playing over the PA system on the end of Fridays, let's do it. That would be great. So like everything, there's always, you know, there's an action and then there's a reaction. 
Hawaiian shirts were popular in the 50s, there has to be a reaction to that. And that reaction comes in the 1960s in some respects, because in the 1960s, men start to go, fashion can be identifying for me. And I want to create my own personality out of my fashion. So they're not going to wear suits anymore. They're not going to wear trousers anymore. They're going to wear jeans and bell bottoms and t-shirts and love beads. And so the Hawaiian shirt in some way is doing two things. One, it's saying I'm not part of traditional culture, but it's also still kind of like leaning towards, hey, we, weren't we wearing this 10 years ago? So the Hawaiian shirt kind of goes through an identity crisis in the United States at that time. So it's interesting to note that like when your dad was kind of wearing it or your grandpa was, I saw you actually, maybe it was more like your grandpa, when your grandpa is wearing them now, He's not wearing them because he's not cool. He's actually saying, hey, I'm unconventional. I'm not a square. The shirts sort of make a comeback. They kind of go out of fashion in the 70s, but they come back again in the 80s because Tom Selleck and his hairy chest and his uh, big mustache is going to give us a little bit of Magnum P.I. And the Hawaiian shirt then starts to make its re-entrance back as being something that's really cool and fashionable in the 1980s. There's a great book by a guy named H. Thomas Steele. The book is called The Hawaiian Shirt Book. The book itself is not very historically accurate, but he's got hundreds and hundreds of photos of Hawaiian See, shirts. I bet the pictures in there oh are my God. great. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. In the 1990s, the shirt now starts to become synonymous with what we now know, like our dad's wear the shirts and so people stop wearing the hawaiian shirts because now we're associating them with middle-aged men and because of that the hawaiian shirt falls out of favor except only recently has it started to come back in two ways one a positive way one a not so positive way and we're going to talk about that when we come back from our break this was a thing this was a thing and now This is a sketch. Dad, I'm so glad you could make it. I'm putting the burgers on in a few minutes. You have the Lowry's, right? Of course. I know your secret trick is Lowry seasoning. Hey, I love that Hawaiian shirt, by the way. Well, actually, the proper term is aloha shirt. Well, then aloha, Dad. Uh, I'm glad you could make it. This isn't a joke, son. This is a form of rebellion. Well, I hate to say that the aloha shirt doesn't scream rebellion to me, Dad. Well, that's because you're uneducated and don't understand what my generation sees as rebellion. You just lay in your sweats and put a hashtag in front of every word and think you're doing your civic duty. In my day, we needed to actually go to a thrift store, find a Hawaiian shirt, be schooled on its proper name, the Aloha shirt, and plunk down a dollar for it. A dollar for our rebellion. You scoff, but that dollar was an entire year's tuition at an Ivy League college. Dad, I've just never seen you wear a Hawaii, uh, an Aloha shirt before. Well, ever since Deborah II left when quarantine started, I felt like I needed to do something a little different. So, I'm going back to my rebellious teenage roots, and it feels great. God, I feel like I should be smoking grass, reading Kerouac, and trying to figure out where I can get some more Aloha shirts so my kids will one day know the sweet fabric of freedom. Hey, Dad, when Deborah left, did she take all your clothes and just leave you with this shirt? You know me so well, son. Aloha, buddy. Aloha. Thank you. This was a sketch. I will start with the positive first. The positive is, is now today we're living in an agent of irony, and hipsters, if there's one thing they love, it's irony. And so now they wear the Hawaiian shirt, 
as an ironic statement. And Gucci is starting to use original Japanese imagery on its shirts as they are manufacturing new Aloha shirts. Kahalo, which is one of the largest brands of manufacturers, is literally rating their old designs and putting them all back on the market. Also, I think with everything that's like, you know, sad and depressing going on, the fact that you're putting on something that has color and brightness and the ability to like embrace that brightness without also losing like your hipster irony sort of gives this more like optimistic era to men's fashion again that we're that I think we're kind of seeing right now. So thanks to the hipsters for for bringing the Hawaiian shirt back. Aloha hipsters. And now this makes me so sad because the, the, I hate this part. I know the Aloha shirt has listen folks you've just listened hopefully which is it has such a rich wonderful diverse history and it's represented so many six different cultures in one garment the shirt now unfortunately has been adopted by the despicable boogaloo community the boogaloo community is a community that feels a second civil war is coming down the pike they're best associated on things like 8chan and QAnon. the term boogaloo is sort of their joke from like, you know, what, what's the movie? Break into Electric Boogaloo. All right. So you put Electric Boogaloo on things that you want to, like as a joke for sequels, I've, right? I've jokingly said Electric Boogaloo in my life. So it made me so bummed when I heard out that this is what this is from. So at one point, all these folks decided to call it Civil War II Electric Boogaloo. And then the internet was like, we're going to start banning Boogaloo because... That's it's just like code for hate speech. So then it went to igloo, and then it went to luau. So like the Hawaiian shirt as a uniform for these people came out of the big luau shorthand. And the other reason that they decided to use the Aloha shirt as their uniform is because when they did that fucking horrible white supremacist rally in Charlottesville in 2017, instead of being like, hey. The Aryan Brotherhood is all, you know, guys in biker outfits and, you know, leather vests. They're like, let's look like everyday people. And so that's why they wear khakis and that's why they wear Aloha shirts. So they're doing it to, to, to change the image of what Aryan supremacy looks like. There's also a fuck you, I think, to appropriation being thrown out there, which is, yes, we realize that this is a shirt that was created by a lot of different people, and it, and it comes – and I'm sure most of them think that Hawaii isn't even really a part of the United States. So it's so we're going to take this quote-unquote foreign shirt and adopt it as our own. There was a research analysis by the name of Howard Graves, and he works down at the Southern Poverty Law Center, and he said something really, really interesting, which is, you know, it's tough to talk about the danger of guys showing up to rallies when they're wearing Hawaiian shirts, because it sounds a little bit ridiculous, because you go, well, how dangerous can these people be? Look at the way they dress. Ugh. So the Hawaiian shirt, the Aloha shirt, has had this amazing, beautiful legacy that's been associated with it. It was a combination of people from all different parts of the world coming together to create a fabric and being proud to have that fabric. Then you have someone like Shaheen who's saying, listen, this shirt is literally the flag of Shangri-La. If you come to where this shirt is manufactured and where this shirt is depicting its images, you will lead a peaceful, global, harmonious life. Then the shirt becomes counterculture. 
representative, which is I'm not going to conform. It gives us casual Friday. The other thing it does, which I think is really cool, is it also give people a sense of their history. And I want to play this this clip of a, of a gentleman who talks a little bit about his Hawaiian shirt and what the Hawaiian shirt means to him and his family. This is from a great channel, folks, on YouTube called Japanology Plus. So, the shirt. I came up with the concept and together with a company worked on the design. I gave it the title Family Bonds. These photos are all of my family. This photograph shows me as a child. It's on here somewhere. Can you spot it? Here it is. It's my mother and me. And this is my father. I don't have any memory of him. The people in these photographs include my father's relatives and my grandmother on my mother's side. They've never met, but for me, putting their photographs on the same shirt was a way of bringing the family together. He put all the images on the Aloha shirt, which is very sweet. So, you know, can we see any elements of the Aloha shirt today, besides the fact that it... it Unfortunately, hasn't gone away. It's been appropriated in a horrible negative statement. So I'm hoping that maybe at some point we can get this Aloha shirt back. I feel like I should take my shirt off now. Right? You feel guilty about it. Well, yeah. Right? But I feel like anything that goes against conformity in terms of fashion, I feel in some way has its roots in the Aloha shirt. And in 2021, like I said, it's it's unfortunate because I think people would love these shirts for their vibrancy. And I'm sure they would be able to create shirts that somehow represent political and social designs associated with them. But ever since this fucking group has co-opted it, I think you can't wear these shirts without subliminally saying, yeah. this is these are my thoughts and these are my political beliefs. I have a lot of Hawaiian shirts, just really quick, and I'm afraid to wear them. I haven't worn them in a long time because of all this crap, and it makes me bummed out. The reason that we're talking about the shirt today, honestly, folks, is you might look at the shirt and you might laugh at it. You might laugh at it because, you know, your dad and your uncle would wear them, and they look so quote-unquote uncool, or you can see these horrible people wearing them today, and you go, this is just so freaking disgusting. But you have to remember the origins of Absolutely. this shirt and how it, how it came to be. So there's a question of, like, what makes a Hawaiian shirt or a Aloha shirt rare today? What were some of the originals versus what are some of the fakes? So if you have an Aloha shirt and you're wondering if it's a rare one, here's a couple of things that you should all be keeping an eye out for. So usually the rare ones, they've got one patch pockets, which is sewn in onto the left side of the shirt. On better quality shirts, the pocket matches the print underneath it. That's a key quality point. All right. The buttons, buttons, buttons. Did I do it right? Absolutely. If they're made of jade, if they're made of coconut, especially coconut, means it's authentic. If the button is a metal button with the Hawaiian crest on it, means it's worth some money. And the ones that are the most sought after are the Shaheen shirts that focused on Hawaiian pageants. There's one where it's a bringing in a fish that's worth money. There's one focusing on a royal procession that also is worth some money. So... That is our story of the Aloha Hawaiian shirt. Aloha. Celebrate it for all the great things it did provide. 
And that's why it was a thing. I mean, it was it was the only garment I can think of. Like I said, depending on who was wearing it, it was always making some sort of statement. And unfortunately, even today, it's still making a statement. Yeah. It just a to- it, it, you literally have just done a total 180 from what this shirt did. But I want you to focus on what the shirt meant before these horrible people picked it up and took it as their own. And maybe one day we'll get it back from them. And now, for a little bit of levity, Let's play a game. Aloha. This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Rob, Ray, thank you so much for teaching me everything I need to know about the Aloha shirt. Aloha. Aloha. And a happy casual Friday to you this upcoming week, all because of the Aloha shirt. Absolutely. Do you like my Aloha shirt that I'm wearing right now? It is. Mark has come uh, festive. He's a festive man today. A little loud, a little loud, but that's the point of the Aloha shirt. And it's an authentic one because as you can tell, the uh, pocket is blending right in. There you go. Very Mm -hmm. good. Blends right in. That's how you know. Now, you did amazing research. You taught me a lot about the Aloha shirt, but one thing you did not touch on, which kind of hurt me was you didn't mention maybe the most prominent person to ever wear the Aloha shirt. DJ Khaled. I was going to say Weird Al Yankovic. Ah, yes. Weird Al Yankovic, who basically was a cartoon character for most of his career in the Hawaiian shirt. And it offended me so much that we're playing a game today about Weird Al. And it's called Let's Get Weird Al. (laughs) Okay. Great, love it. So as you know, Weird Al Yankovic, a purveyor of wonderful satirical song lyrics genius. of, of uh, genius, let's just say flat oh, yeah. out genius, right? So long career, incredibly long career, a lot of popular songs. I am going to read a Weird Al lyric, a goofy version of a lyric to a popular song, and you're going to tell me what the real song is is so okay. the song we don't have to fill in the lyric with the you don't correct. have to fill in okay. the lyrics okay. yes you could well you can tell me one of three things maybe you can either tell me the the parody song although chances are if you know the parody song you know the real song yeah or you can tell me the real song that he's lampooning you tell me the artists whatever information you think you know but all you're going to get is a cadence list and we're playing together you're playing together great okay because it's me against you two for omitting weird al from your podcast here we go and they do get harder as they go if you come to visit you'll be bored to tears we haven't even paid the phone bill in 300 years. Amish Paradise. Correct. Yes. Amish Paradise. Living in a gangster Gangster's paradise. paradise by Coolio. Let me see that Ivy. Here we go. Time to operate. I'll pull his insides out, pull his insides out, and see what he ate. Oh, I don't know. Let's, let's say eat it. It is like a surgeon. Oh! Oh! Damn it. I knew he had a fucking medical one. Okay, here we go. Let's see if you got this next one. Your greasy hands, your salty lips, looks like you found the chips. Your belly aches, your teeth grind, some tater tots would blow your mind. Let's eat it, right? Yeah, let's eat it. That is Addicted to Spuds, Ah. which is the parody of Addicted to Love. I'm sorry, Al. You know, you're really letting weird down. I think you got this next one. Crank the volume, ears are bleeding. I still don't know what I'm singing. We're so loud and incoherent. Boy, this ought to bug your parents. Uh, it's the Nirvana one. Smells like, smells like Nirvana. Smells like Nirvana, yes. Smells like Nirvana, which is the parody of Smells Like Teen Spirit yes. by Nirvana. Absolutely. Okay, this next one's a personal favorite of mine. But I'll be back on Monday afternoon, you'll see... Another truckload's coming in for me. All for me. 
I think it's fat. That one is I Love Rocky Road, uh, which is a parody of I Love Rock and Roll by Do you like Joan Rocky Jett. Road ice cream? I do, but I just like the song and I like the parody okay. song. Did you discover Rocky Road from the song? I don't think I had Rocky Road before the song. Yeah, on my like 11th or 12th birthday, one of my uncles gave me like a VHS of Weird Al best videos. And it's just the greatest thing you could give Good an 11 or 12 yeah, year old. And you're really? Just like, what is this? Really blew my mind. Okay, last two. A little more uh, contemporary. What y'all want to do? Want to be hackers? Code crackers? Slackers? Wasting time with all the chat room yackers? Ballers, shot callers, callers. I know what the fucking... I know... Oh, God! It is currency-related. The title is currency-related. Dollar. How many dollar? 50. A little bit more. 100. Right. Now, what, what's going on with the $100 bill? Who's on the $100 bill? Ben Franklin. Right. Franklin. It's all about the Benjamins. There it's all about it the is. Franklins. It's all about the Benjamins. It is bad boy. His version was all about the Pentiums. Ah. I had the label right. right. You had that. Yeah, you had that. You had definitely had that. Last one. First in my class here at MIT got skills. I'm a champion of D&D. MC Escher. That's my favorite MC. We're going to go white and nerdy. White and nerdy, parodying Riding Dirty by yes. Chamillionaire. Great job, uh, Rob. <laughs> well, Rob's a big Chamillionaire fan. Well, yeah. Oh, is it Chamillionaire or Chamillionaire? Chamillionaire, I don't know. Rob, don't what know. is it? You have the shirt. Rob? Yeah. It's Chamillionaire. Uh, yeah. Oh, that mm-hmm. sounds right. Yeah. Well, I got my vengeance on both of you for not mentioning Weird Al. You did. Yeah. You did. And we apologize to Weird Al, yes. who you, you are right is a huge proponent of the Aloha Needs shirt. Needs to at least Mr. be mentioned Yankovic, in the footnotes. If you are listening, we'd love to have you on the show. He's writing a parody. This one's called Bad Podcast. <laughs> if we mention him in the episode description, he may... Maybe he signed up for Google Alerts where they mention yes. your name. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Mark, thank you so much. Thank We're you, now. Mark. We love you. Friends, go support the Aloha shirt on Casual Friday. Or actually, no, you're not supposed to support the Aloha shirt anymore because politically it means something different. We're now. taking it back. We're going to take it back. Listen, make your own decision. Dress cool. It's a little warm out today. Aloha. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 